So many people said stories today are as a result of what people think and perceive of our lives. How people look at us. How people understand us. And yet we forget. When people receive us, that does not equal God's reception also. When people reject us, that does not equal God's rejection also. Hallelujah. But we have. Have you ever stopped? We have life that we are living. When people are saying this and that, doing this and that, have you ever stopped? Give yourself time and stop and ask yourself this question. Who does God say I am? What does this mean to me? Who am I? Before God, who am I? Before man, you might be a son out of wedlock, a daughter out of wedlock. You might be a reject. You might be stupid. You might be foolish. Before man, you might be labeled whatever. But before God, you might be called a man or a woman of valor. Thank God Almighty. You find in the book of Judges chapter 6 verse 11 to verse 14. Judges 6. I'm giving you some scriptures to just refer to later. Judges 6 from verse 11 to verse 14. You encounter a man called Gideon, who was a great man that God used in his time. Gideon worked hard to help the people hide and save food because they had the Midianites who were troubling them. Their community was not at rest. The Midianites were troubling them whenever a time of harvest will come. My God, these Midianites will be on top of them. They will almost take everything and leave them without anything. And they will cry and cry and cry. Gideon, like some, was disappointed so much in his life because he was keeping on hearing of a God that his fathers will speak about. A God of his fathers who led them through the Red Sea, who dried the sea and moved them through it in dry land by mighty hand, who took them out of slavery and brought them out and Pharaoh could not stop it. He kept hearing these stories, but here are the Midianites, just Midianites. The same God is not seeming to be lifting his hand and stopping the Midianites. Year after year, they come and ravage their lands and take their goods and take their belongings. And it seemed like this was happening over and over again. Courage was going. They were no longer dedicated anymore. They were becoming weaker and weaker. Gideon was trying to help them there to just rescue and put together whatever is remaining. But look about, look at this. The Bible says, The day the angel of the Lord came and revealed himself, when he addressed Gideon, he addressed him like Jephthah was addressed. When the angel of the Lord looked at him, he saw a man of valor. Somebody say hallelujah. He saw a man of valor, a great man, a man of honor, a man of boldness, a man of victory. He saw a great man. Somebody say hallelujah. This same Gideon, who was in that confused state, crying and wondering, where will our help come from? Because the God of our fathers is not seeming to be doing anything. Here we are. We are in this pandemic. Here we are. We are in dire need. Here we are. We are looking for something that can bring us hope. But people are dying. People are going. 
families are being broken breadwinners are being are dying what are we going to do where is the hope we are going to be left with a community that is going to be under stress a community that is broken what are we going to do my brother my sister in that moment when it seemed like the god of his fathers the god he has learned about he has heard about is not doing anything god was saying you are the man i'm counting on in the season that is ahead there's a season that is coming there's a season that is on the horizon there's a season that is ahead of us we are all experiencing what is going on we are all going through what is going on when just a day or two ago we began to hear about the coming of the storms the waters i couldn't help it but to think about the many people who are going to be left homeless in the midst of the situation that we are still handling the virus and its impact now here comes the floods many today will be reading they have passed on because of this but where is god in all of these things god is with us he is emmanuel somebody say hallelujah no matter what the situation no matter what the circumstances one thing we must always remember in this life we are going to face situations some situations are going to rise and seem to be much bigger than what we can handle these situations we can only begin to think and tackle them if we can think about what david did when he faced his giant there are giants in life that comes in whatever forks of life giants problems big problems great problems are higher than what we can handle but god always is not a god who will abandon us is not god who will leave us no but is a god who knows how to rebuild us and rescue us after all this god is going to rebuild his house he's going to rebuild his people he's going to rebuild his church he's going to rebuild your life that's why he needs you to be strong be strong and courageous be strong and courageous for those who are with you are more than those who are against you be strong and courageous for who is in you is greater and mighty than he who is ravaging and causing havoc in this world those who are standing for you strengthening you serving you the angels of glory are dedicated and they are not going to waver or go away unless they minister and do what is proper with your life if somebody is hearing me say hallelujah let's read some scripture just a scripture from the book of first samuel chapter 17 first samuel chapter 17 the story of david when he faced his goliath we have our own goliaths your goliath can be any situation it can be your hardship that you're going through it can be lack of finances it can be what whatsoever condition you can label it if it's bigger than you it's bigger than what you can handle it can be your giant hallelujah oh glory be to god thank god almighty that god showed us by this great man called gideon that you don't need to have great number you and god are majority when he went in his own war in his own warfare at his time he left with only 300 men out of thousands of men who were going to war with him many god asked that they must go back because they were not ready for warfare and god gave him victory with just men who were 300 against an army which was great of the midianites and the amalekites combined together thank god god and you will always be majority so let's look at that first samuel chapter 17 i will take it from verse 7 to verse 10 and then we'll read other verses we just first read these verses and then i'll just make some things some points here now if it says in verse 7 now the staff of his spear 
that is the giant, was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed six hundred shekels, and a shield bearer went before him. Verse 8. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel, and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man among yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. This man was speaking against the servants of God. He was speaking against the God of Israel in a very shameful way because he saw the fear in their eyes. He saw the intimidation that was controlling them. He spoke so boldly. Verse 24 to verse 28. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him the king will enrich him with great riches. He will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to them or to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall we do or what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That's what troubled David. Who is this Philistine that he should be allowed to stand here and defy the armies of the living God? Our God is not dead. Our God is alive. Somebody say hallelujah. David calls him a living God. And he said in verse 27, And the people answered him, In this manner say, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. The things that now they were explaining is what we read in that verse 25. Hallelujah. That this is what the king will do to the man who will go out and face this man. Number one, he's going to make this man great. He will enrich this man with riches. Number two, he will give his daughter to this man to be his wife. Number three, he's going to make sure that he, ex he, he exempt his father's house, his family, from paying tax. That was a package full. But look at verse 8. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to this man. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few? Few. He forget he's talking about his own father's home. What have you done with those few? How have you left these few? Those few sheep? In the wilderness, I know your pride and the insolent of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. Imagine David is concerned about what is happening. And his brother is interpreting or looking at his situation and thinks that this guy is full of pride. How many people have been mistaken in their lives? That people mistaken your care, your love, your way of life for pride. 
people think that when you live the way you're living is pride. When you do something for yourself, people think it's pride. When you help yourself with something, people think it's pride. When you buy yourself a car, think it's pride. When you buy yourself nice things, they think it's pride. You know, you know, this is typical some of the things that we face on a daily basis. And this you must realize it's a war or a battle that is in defiant to the living God whom we serve. I want to finish reading what happened here. In verse 33, verse 33, And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. The king began to show him, My son, I see your zeal and your desire, but you are still too young to face this man. This man is a great man of war. He has been fighting war and battle since he was young. You are now just young, meaning he is way ahead of you. But David was determined. In verse 36 to 37, Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord will be with you. Glory be to Jesus. This passage helped us to look and to understand that the strength of David came from somewhere. He overcame fear, doubt, the attack that came upon him, on his personality, his self-esteem. He overcame his size against the enemy, his age against the enemy. He overcame so many obstacles. As much as he was facing a giant on the outside, children of God, there was another giant he was fighting on the inside. There was another situation he was dealing with on the inside. Imagine coming with a good heart and your own brother stands against you instead of supporting you. He could have been crushed there and there. But David was never discouraged because of this. He knew it is possible to be rejected by the people you love. He knew it is possible to be counted as a man of vanity. But David stood his ground and trusted in the Lord his God. Somebody say hallelujah. When we listen to the words of the Philistine defying the God of Israel, you can be easily intimidated. When they looked at the size, his stature, of this man, this soldier, this great man of war, you could easily be intimidated. When you compare the weapons he was heavy and the weapons you carry, it can be easy to be intimidated. But remember this, that our battles, the Bible says, are not carnal. But our battles are spiritual and they are mighty to wage a warfare. If we rely on the armor that God puts on us, we can be victorious. David was also given an opportunity to rely on the armor, which was even King Saul was using. But thank God he realized that would be like almost disarming himself. He understood that the fight he's fighting was starting from within and not from outside. He had to conquer the battles from inside. He had to conquer the rejection. He had to conquer the name calling. 
his brother speaking so badly about him. He had to conquer all of that so that he can go and face the real giant out there. But he had to defeat the real giant who is inside of him first before he can go and face the giant outside. Some, we want to go and face challenges which are on the outside, but forget the intimidation, the challenges, the hopelessness that is on the inside. That is where we are first to win the battles. The greatest battles in life are from the within and not from outside. If you are hearing me say hallelujah. David was going to face a man who was trained. A man who was a great opponent. A man that when he was standing before him, he was like a grasshopper. His size was no match for this man. He was not trained like this man or any of the men who were accompanying King Saul, like his brothers. He was just a young man who was a shepherd boy. But there was something that he carried. He carried the God of Israel within himself. He knew that in this situation, he is supposed to rely on what is inside of him. The Bible says, Out of your innermost being shall come rivers of living water. You might not be seeing rivers. I might be looking at you and not seeing rivers. But the word of God says there are rivers that comes from you. And I must believe that's truth. That out of my innermost being, rivers of living waters must come. This means that what? Let us stay up these rivers so that rivers can come in the time of need. You don't need to see them first. You just need to know they are there. Men will look at this young man, will not see the God they were serving. But yet this young man was representing the God of Israel in his own stature. He was despised, but he attacked. He was attacked. His ego was attacked, but he stood his ground. His passion and fear for the Lord was not mistaken for anything. His people mistaken it for pride, but himself he knew he had great fear and passion for the Lord. David reminded himself always of the goodness of God through other battles that he faced in life. This is a strength to all of us to remind ourselves of the battles and God how he prevailed over every enemy that we have ever faced. David hated those who defied the name of the Lord. He hated those who do evil. He hated those who sin. When I say hated those, I don't mean people. David hated the defiance that came out against the God of Israel. He hated that to show us that we also must hate whatever is attacking the name and the glory of our God. He was a passionate man about what he wanted. He was so focused. I mean, he went all out to face the opponent. He didn't go half-minded. He went all the way. He didn't get intimidated when he saw the man. The closer he got to the man, he didn't get intimidated. In fact, the Bible says that the moment he got close, he picked up five stones. He put them in his bag. He held a sling in his hand. And when the time came, when it was supposed to be a clash now, they're supposed to now battle, he ran towards the giant, not away from the giant, showing that this young man was determined. He came with all his mind that he's going to face and is going to be victorious. He did not confess fear or doubt, but he spoke boldly. When the enemy was attacking him with words, he spoke boldly. Hallelujah. 
I want to conclude my message. David was a very young man, but he was very much aware of the God of his people. As young as you are, as old as you might be, be very much aware of the God you serve. He is a mighty God. He is a God who is almighty and wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. He faced a giant, but we face our own spiritual giants. We have our own giants. I remember one time watching this movie called Facing the Giants. You know, it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. If you have never watched it or you have watched it, watch it, watch it. It is able to stir up your faith. Or a movie called Courageous. These are wonderful movies made by some pastors with the hope of encouraging Christians because they knew in this life we face disappointing situations, troubling situations, challenging situations, situations above our own ability. But we must always remember we serve a God who's bigger than what we are facing, a God who's much more greater and bigger and stronger. Hallelujah. And the devil knows it. The devil knows it very well. He doesn't want us to come to that realization. That was said today. I come with the word just to encourage you. Your giant may be the lack. It might be coping with the loss of a loved one. It might be your job. Your job is being threatened because of the pandemic. Whatever, whatever situation, whatever news that is coming to your ears. Maybe you might lose your job. Maybe they might cut you. Maybe whatever. You won't get a raise. You won't go. Whatever might be tormenting your mind and your thoughts. Your finances are being drained. Your reserves, your savings are being drained. You know, you are being stretched within your limits. Now you, 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 are, you, you are coping very difficult. The effects of the pandemic itself. But what I'm saying to you is, if David, God, stood with him and conquered, you are also a conqueror in Christ Jesus. David articulated a proper response in defying the statements that was made by the giant. We need also to learn to speak right, no matter what the situation can be. Devil likes to corner us so that when we are under pressure and under difficult situation, we must just say whatever. Let us be weary. Let us be aware. I mean, let us be careful that we will not be led by circumstances or situation to speak any other how, but will be led by the spirit of sound mind, the spirit of the Christ that is in us. He put his trust in God. The God who put a sling in his hand, David put his trust in that God. He didn't put his trust in the sling. Many will make a mistake of putting our trust in the weapon that God put in our hand. What could be that weapon? Maybe it could be money. Maybe it could be the job. So if now you lose that job, you lose that money, you feel now you are weak, you are defeated. But no, David trusted in the God who put the sling in his hand not on the sling that was in his hand. When he released that stone, he was trusting on the God who was behind the stone he's releasing, not the stone he released. Somebody say hallelujah. We have inner giants we are fighting. We have inner battles we are dealing with. But we can wage a warfare and win. Glory be to Jesus. One last thing I want to say is to emphasize that we are fighting our own battles, the inner giants. You know, we like to think that David's greatest battle was when he faced Goliath. That's one of the battles that is so much renowned about David. He, he faced a giant and he brought the giant down and he was a small boy. But I don't believe that was the only battle that he fought which was a difficult battle. 
another battle comes to my mind. A battle that is almost similar to many battles that people fight today. David, when he was growing up and God was beginning to make him great and great, he met King Saul. He began to be familiar with the house of Saul. He even befriended Saul's son, Jonathan. They became soulmates. Jonathan's sister became his wife. But at the end of it all, what I want to bring to your attention is not all this setup. Is that the people that he brought close, he was brought close to them, that he loved soon enough, King Saul became his worst enemy. The greatest battle I believe David was fighting was how to reject every temptation that came to his heart to rise up against Saul and kill Saul because Saul was against him. How David had to be sober in mind, how he had to be content to refuse to raise his hand against Saul, who was seeking him, who was seeking him to die. But David had to respect him because he's the Lord's anointed. I believe that's one of the greatest battles that David had to fight. How he had every reason to hate, to despise, but David had to remember, this is my father, this is my mother. This is my brother. This is my uncle. And I cannot rise against them. Though they are raising against me, but I cannot rise against them. Though they are fighting me, but I cannot fight against them the way they are fighting me. He had to remain calm and allow God to have his way. He had to run like an animal that has been chased to be snatched and to be killed and to be devoured. He had to run and hide as if he was weak to fight back. But David could not raise his hand against the Lord's anointed. Our greatest battles are within us because of the people we love. How do you resist to hate them? How do you resist and keep loving them? It is only when Jesus is in your heart. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life can make you to be able. That is why when you look at David, he was not just a young man, but he was a man full of the Spirit. When he stood there, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And he was able to resist. Whenever the Spirit of the Lord will come upon him, he will think properly and will not raise his hand against the servant of God. But when he was just by himself among his friends, they will talk and they will say, when Saul comes again, we must kill him. We must do this. We must. They will plot. But when David will meet Saul, he will have an opportunity. He will never do it. Glory be to Jesus. These are the battles that we are fighting. They are battles we are fighting on the outside. But what I'm leaving with you today is the first battles we need to conquer are the battles on the inside because they determine how we conquer the battles on the outside. The enemy that we see is already defeated. It's weak. The Bible says that which we see is temporary. The enemy you are seeing is a temporary one. can disappear anytime. But the greatest enemy is the one within that you are not seeing and you are fighting on a daily basis. Forgiveness, therefore, is a gift from God to deal and to destroy the enemy within. Forgiveness of those who offend, those who hurt, those who ridicule is a great defense, is a great weapon against the giants that are rising within us. 
when these giants arise more and more against, people commit suicide. People destroy themselves. People lose hope. But we are not of such because we have got a great God on our side. When we are hurt, there's a tonic. It is called forgiveness. It may not seem like much, but it goes a long way. It goes a long way. It goes a long way. Thank you, Jesus. There's another tonic that David used. When Saul rushed against him, he chose to love him than to hate him. It's a great tonic against the works of the enemy. I bless your life today that you will walk in victory and you walk in the light of his truth. That you'll be strengthened with might in your inner man. That every battle you're going through, no matter how big, no matter how great, know that he who's with you is greater than what you are facing.